Hello, my rebels. In today's show, I, I take on the word populist. I regard myself as a populist and a conservative, but populist to the media and to the establishment means something dangerous and harmful and unruly. But is that true? Or is, in fact, the majority rule forcing vaccines into people's arms, denying them civil rights, is, in fact, the mob, the majority? I'll take you through my thoughts on that. First, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's a video version of the show. You get my show, Sheila Gunn-Reed's show, David Menzies' show, Andrew Chappadeau's show. You get a lot of stuff for just eight bucks a month, half the price of Netflix. And we're not as woke as Netflix. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. Here's today's podcast. Tonight, who is the populist mob? Lockdown skeptics or the forced vaccine people? It's October 21st and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. For most of my life, I've been called a populist and I've accepted that as part of my identity. I think I'm conservative too and I have other ideas, but to me, populism was what Preston Manning talked about in the Reform Party 30-odd years ago that I joined as a teenager, as he called it, the common sense of the common man. He sometimes used other phrases too, bottom-up decision-making as opposed to top-down decision-making. Skepticism about elitists. And let me explain that word, not necessarily hostility to someone who is elite, as in the best, like an elite athlete. You can be elite, you can be the best, you can be the smartest, and still not be elitist. Elitism, I think it's a kind of snobbery, an assumption that you're better than someone morally, politically, as a human, and so their point of view doesn't count. That's different from, let's say, being an elite surgeon, where you simply are the best objectively, but you don't need to be a snob about it. Uh, elitism overvalues credentials. They overvalue symbols of pedigree. I see it all the time in journalism. You know, I think we have just one journalist school grad here at our whole shop, whereas I'm thinking you probably can't even get hired at the CBC without a journalism degree, but I know who the better reporters are on any given day, and it ain't the government journalists at Trudeau's state broadcaster. Uh, being populist to me means listening to people who actually work for a living, not just those who have the luxury lifestyle of being paid to give opinions, which really isn't work. One of the things that bothers me about elitists is their refusal to use plain language. And I don't believe it's because they're smarter. Smart people believe in communicating effectively and clearly. The overuse of jargon, the invention of fake words like Latinx, and using complicated words where simple words will do. That's not about improving communication, it's about making it harder to keep out outsiders. Use jargon, use acronyms, denounce other people's languages obsolete or even racist. That's a form of elitism. 
William F. Buckley, who was quite an intellectual himself, once said he'd rather have the country run by the first 100 names in the Boston phone book than by the faculty of Harvard. I'm sure he meant it. I mean, would any of the Harvard faculty have real-life experience making ends meet, having to deal with losing a job, having to live in parts of town where crime was a factor, being in the army, etc.? I think one of the reasons why Jordan Peterson is so popular and one of the reasons he is so hated amongst other professors is because he uses plain language and he speaks in practical terms and he believes in simplicity. His first instruction in his last book was being stand up straight. His second instruction being make your bed. That's so different from the deliberately foggy words and meaning of most professors. The fact that he's a hero of the people makes him even more despised by the fancy folks. Remember, they tried to drive him out of the University of Toronto when he dared to dissent from them. So I've always liked being a populist, even though I respect elite achievements. And I found that being a populist coexisted fairly well with my beliefs in conservatism. By that, I usually mean smaller government. A belief in elitism is a belief in the experts and that they not only know best, but they have higher morals than the lowly people do. Populists, by nature, wouldn't want to yield too much to the state. You can see how all this would apply to the pandemic, I think. In the early days, everyone listened very carefully to the experts as we trusted in their excellence, their elitist knowledge, their, their deep history in these matters, infections and whatnot. But we've since learned that a lot of the elites had no clue either. This just still blows me away whenever I think about it. Scott Gottlieb, who was the FDA commissioner, he admitted that this whole social distancing thing, this six-foot separation thing was just made up. No one actually knows where that came from. It didn't come from a study. It just, someone made it up. We know that the mask rules flipped and then flopped, and then flipped again and then flopped again. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? And same with vaccines. Let me show you a bit of Anthony Fauci on that. This is an incredible video. Watch for a minute. Because the real-world effectiveness is even more impressive than the results of the clinical trial.
issue we clarified that with people. It has nothing to do whether or not it's effective. We know it's highly effective. Highly effective. So do these experts really know what they're talking about? And put aside expertise, are they corrupted in some cases? I mean, now we've learned that Fauci himself was deeply involved in Chinese research into weaponizing viruses in Wuhan, and that he lied about it to Congress. He's not the only liar. More and more we see the public health bureaucrats are just unelected politicians who happen to have a medical degree, if that. Here's Saskatchewan's health bureaucrats telling an untruth about the virus, saying it doesn't, uh, it's saying it affects everyone equally. It doesn't. It, it affects the old and the fat and the sick, not the young, the fit and the healthy. I, I won't go deep into this, uh, just to remind you, here's Alberta's health bureaucrat saying she's going to count anyone staying home sick for any reason. She's going to count that as a COVID case without evidence. Remember this? If individuals choose to not get tested for COVID but are home with an illness, um, they're now counted in the list as uh, being part of that outbreak. So experts have put their expertise to the service of the state, to politics. I'm not going to go over all this again. We talked about it the other day, especially in regards to doctors losing their reputation. But my point today is how populists have been the skeptics this last year and a half. And the only party in Canada that has been opposed to the lockdowns as a party is the explicitly populist People's Party of Canada and its leader, Maxime Bernier. Unfortunately, they don't have a single seat in Parliament. Parliament is unanimous in all this. So, yeah, I've accepted that the populists are against the lockdowns. The elitists are for it because, of course, they haven't lost a day's pay. They love being celebrities, the medical TV doctors. If, if anything, I think the elitists have had more pay and more power. Certainly, the economic elite has. But populism, according to its critic, is critics is akin to a mob. Populism is a dirty word to the establishment. Populism means violence. It means being irrational. It's a kind of superstition. They're not enlightened. Being populist is being mean. It's the worst of humanity. It's wild and out of control. To the elitists who are challenged by populism, it's a mob with pitchforks and torches, which they simply define as anyone they can't control. That's the mob. But are populists, at least on the lockdowns and the pandemic and the vaccine mandates, are they really the wild ones? Are they really the dangerous mob? I don't know about that. We have probably covered 100 different anti-lockdown protests across Canada in the past 18 months, probably more. I've never seen violence against people or property even once by an anti-lockdown protester. Have you? I have not. And our dozen reporters covering them have not. We would have showed you if we found it. Except by the police. In fact, I have seen the worst police violence of my life in Canada, in these anti-lockdown protests, in Canada, in the United Kingdom, in Australia. They're the worst for some reason. Violence en masse. And violence arresting individual people, often women and old people, simply for not wearing a mask or something like that. Do you see where I'm going with this? 
the populists, the people, the skeptics, the dissidents, they actually have not been the violent ones. They're not a mob. The paramilitary enforcer, the elitists, they're the mob. But let's move away from the police and the protest. What about the state itself? What about the policies of the state? What do you call it when the government, even if the majority of the population agrees with it, and I concede that a lot of the population loves these lockdowns and loves the forced vaccines. I mean, they're being scared out of their wits. So they do what the government says. What do you call it when the government, emboldened by a rash majority, abuses the civil liberties of the minority? And not just in some trivial way. I mean, social distancing was irritating. Masks were bad enough. But I'm talking about forcing a minority to undergo a medical procedure that is still being tested, for which we know there are side effects, including death. Imagine forcing people to undergo that on pain of losing all their public rights, from the right to travel to the right to gather, even to gather at their church, the right to work, the right to privacy. Imagine being forced to tell people their most private matters. I saw this story the other day in the Toronto Star, Canada's largest newspaper, raging against an Ontario mayor who asked a woman about her menstruation. Don't, guys, don't do that. He was trying to see if she had a side effect from the vaccine. That's his explanation. And the star was raging about the grossness of the violation, violating her most personal private details. And when they were done raging at him, they went right back to demanding that you and me and everyone show everyone and anyone our most personal private details on demand every day. Oh, only if we want to go to work, school, a restaurant, a train, a plane, whatever. Who's the mob now? How could the same people calling for the violation of our personal privacy rage at that mayor and go right back to being who they were? And by the way, who stops mobs? Police usually, but they are the mob these days. <laughs> Look at this lady in Australia. Oh, help! Oh, help! We're just walking around the park. We just live around the corner. Walking around the park and then we decided to take a seat, have some tea. Help! Help! Help me! Imagine that police smashing a woman for sitting on a park bench drinking tea. And she asks, she calls out to our reporter, Avi Amini, to help her. Who else are you going to call when the police are the criminals? Who do you call? But if police won't stop the mobs, if police are the mobs, maybe the courts will step in? Maybe the judges? Have they? The courts didn't even stop Trudeau's COVID detention facilities at airports, those three-day COVID jails. The Federal Court of Canada, and I know because we sent lawyers there, they said this three-day imprisonment on pain of a huge fine, whether you were sick or healthy, the court said not only was that constitutional, but it wasn't even a detention. It wasn't even a violation of your rights. They didn't even have to justify it. What? What? Populists are denounced as violent, as harmful, as an unruly mob, as the threat to others, as man in the state of nature, you know, ungoverned. Populists will commit a war of all against all, which is why we need the Leviathan to rule the mob. Okay. But I put it to you that in fact the populists, the dissenters, the protesters, the objectors, they're the peaceful ones. They're the ones respecting your autonomy, your 
privacy, your bodily integrity. They're not the ones steamrolling over you and steamrolling over our civil liberties and our charter of rights to get you. No. Keep that in mind as Trudeau introduces his next mob rule tactic, his censorship plans, silencing opponents. That's a mob tactic, but the elitists are the ones who are going to use it to protect against harms, they say. Sure, I'm a populist, but I'm not part of a violent mob. That would be the government of Canada these days. It's an ugly thing. Stay with us for more. Well, soon in Canada, if Justin Trudeau has his way, you will not be able to board an airplane, a train, or a ship unless you are double vaccinated. And if it's like other jurisdictions around the world, you'll have to keep up with the boosters or you'll fall back into an unvaccinated status. I think that's how it is in Israel, where they're already on their fourth shot. Uh, but Italy, of all the countries, seems to have one of the most brutal approaches. Let me show you a video of a woman who is being denied entry to a hospital because she doesn't have Italy's green pass, as they're called. Take a look at this. Consentite, la signora che dovrà venire a fare degli esami. Well, don't think that's too far away in, in North America. We've seen cases of would-be kidney transplant recipients denied their transplants. Both the kidney donor and the kidney recipient want to go ahead with the surgery, but the government says, no, you both need to be vaxxed. More and more, we're having a caste system of the unclean. Untermenschen, as it would have been called in the original German. But how can Italy warn us of what's to come? Joining us now from Rome is Brie Dale, the Rome uh, correspondent for the Epoch Times, who joins us now via Skype. Brie, it's really nice to meet you. I follow you on Twitter. Uh, this battle between the government and their green pass and millions of Italians is quite shocking to see. I mean, I'm talking about riot police putting their fire hoses on people. This is what you do to violent criminals, but they're really criminalizing millions of Italians, aren't they? Ezra, thank you for having me on. Yes, uh, unfortunately, we have been seeing this escalation in police activity. Now, to kind of do a backtrack, back in the summer, there were protests against the Green Pass here in Italy, um, and workers were protesting because there were arguments to whether or not they were going to pass something like the Green Pass law that is currently in place, or they were going to continue with the shutdowns and the reopenings and shutdowns, all of which were impacting small businesses. If you 
wa walked around uh, Rome, Italy uh, during the early uh, part of the year this year, you would have seen so many cafes, so many small businesses completely shut down, and many of them have not reopened. And now with this Green Pass law, um, and this was incremental. So first, um, in the earlier part of this this month in October, uh, it was that we couldn't go into a restaurant, couldn't go into a gym without a Green Pass or the CDC card. We couldn't go into museums. And then the Vatican came out and said, we are going to also agree agree to that. And I, I cover the Vatican. Uh, and they went further and said, none of the Vatican can be accessed without the Green Pass. Now, I have gone into St. Peter's without being asked for the Green Pass, but I have also been told that that is being done. So it's kind of piano, piano, as the Italians say, one, one way or the other, a little by little, they are starting to implement it in the Vatican. Um, but what has been just overwhelming, which is, has pushed Ezra, um, the people to protest, has been uh, the implementation of having a green pass to work. So you cannot work now without having a green pass. And I should mention too, in Italy, it isn't just vaccination that um, that you can get a green pass with. Every 42 hours, you can go and get the tampone, which is the nasal swab, uh, to be tested. And you can also have a temporary green pass, Ezra. Okay, well, that's a, an interesting addendum, but it's still insane that the entire country is being locked down and run as some sort of biomedical security state. I can understand that from a government, even though I oppose it. But for the Vatican, I mean, I'm not Catholic myself, but I, I know a little bit about the, um, the story and the traditions, and I've read a little bit about Jesus. I mean, he was someone who did not say to the lepers, yuck, get away from me, you're unclean. He went to them and healed them. I mean, correct me if my, um, you know, recall of the, of, the, of the Bible isn't accurate. The you're, idea that the Pope... You're absolutely correct. Like, it's shocking to me, like of all the people in the world, like I think of Mother Teresa, who went to the lowest of the low, the dirtiest, the unhealthiest, and she did that by choice and on purpose, because that's where the need was the most. I can't even believe that the Vatican would be an extra powerful enforcer of this. Right. And I think you also have to kind of look at the repercussions if you, um, say, had an outbreak in the Vatican and potential lawsuits there, potential, you know, the Vatican is having to deal with a lot in, in regards to having to walk the way of the world as well as having to lead as religious leaders. And the Pope Francis has been very direct on um, the, the vaccine. He believes that it is for the common good to receive the vaccine. He has not claimed or has he has not supported uh, forced vaccinations in in the Vatican itself for workers, you can uh, request exemptions. And so um, that is happening in the Vatican. But for the most part, people who work in the Vatican uh, or work for the Vatican are vaccinated. Um, but the real question here in Italy at whole, and this is a really big um, concern for a lot of countries who have universal health care is, you know, unlike in the United States where you still have um, a semblance of privacy for medical uh, purposes, in Europe, you don't 
don't when you have universal health care. The government pays for your, your health care and in turn has access to your records. And so this is how the government has been overseeing the vaccine. Um, and uh, they're intense because of uh, so much of the early days having um, an, a, a horrible effect on the population, especially the elderly pop population in Italy. Um, you know, that has been the, the message that has been put out to the population. But Ezra, I do believe uh, listening to um, to those who are who are protesting, such as the protests in Trieste, which is the port city there, and also in uh, in Genoa, who are also protesting at the ports. Uh, uh, dock workers are sitting in at these at these ports right now, protesting peacefully, and they had water cannons poured on them for for no reason. I mean, we did see uh, this past month some violence um, in in. Rome in response to this impending law. This is now, um, the law has been actuated, and so people are, are, are sitting in and not working. Um, but Ezra, we are expecting to have more protests um, starting on Friday in Trieste. They are expecting over 100,000 people at least uh, protesting Ooh. with the dock workers. And I should mention, Ezra, that the New York Times, um, I actually approached the head of the bureau um, here in Rome uh, for the New York Times today at a press conference to ask him whether or not they were going to update their reports on um, uh, what they had said was uh, that the protests have fizzled here in Italy, which has not been the case. And he said, no, they wouldn't, unless there was something in the way of violence or some big news out of there that, you know, there's other things going on in the world. So there is what seems to be an, an concerted effort of those in the press to either ignore the, uh, the ongoing protests protests or to to claim opposite from what they are, including claiming that this is um, extreme right-wing anti-vax. These are both left and right people who are mostly blue-collar, simple people who want to work. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's funny because what I've observed over the last 18 months is that you see elements of the left and the right combining. I mean, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is no man of the right. You, you see people who value privacy, civil liberties, uh, bodily autonomy, pro-choice, you would say. Uh, people who prefer natural approaches to health care as opposed to big pharma approaches. I think calling it far right misses half the people. Um, but you're right to point out blue collar. I, I mean, you were mentioning the ports. And I noticed that in, in Australia, the real first rebellion was the construction workers union in Melbourne suddenly told they all had to get jabbed. And then I think of Southwest Airlines, where it was right. basically a work to rule, a work slowdown by pilots and others that caused Southwest Airlines to blink. And I think that if there is going to be some action that stops it, it's probably going to be from working men and women. And I mean, I even think back uh, 40 years ago to the Solidarnosc movement, uh, Solidarity, Lech Walesa. Yes. It was the, it was the uh, workers in the, in the port, if I'm not mistaken. And yes. it was Orwell himself who said the proles, the proletariat will save us. I think that that's the only way to stop this, is to have mass shutdowns by working class people, because I don't see it from the fancy people, from the elites. Let me ask you this question, Bree. Um, is there any political opposition to these vaccine passports, the Green Pass, 
like where's Salvini, for example? Where are the people who were considered Eurosceptics or, or right-wingers, are they on board with the Green Pass? Unfortunately, yes. Um, you know, Salvini, he is a part of Lega. It was once Lega Nord and considered the, probably the most conservative wing in um, in Italy. And uh, for a while, he was doing very well um, with uh, the blue-collar workers, um, the small business owners, um, taking their side on any type of vaccine mandate, um, calling for um, choice, calling for uh, privacy, calling for restorative measures for the the, the small business uh, but towards the end towards the there was there was real pressure on the Italian um, within Italian um, Parliament and especially because of their new prime minister that they're the only way to re-engage the economy, to get things moving again, because most of the Italian economy is based off of tourism. And because of the shutdowns and because of all of the, the measures that were taken last year and the year prior to try to stop the influx of, um, you know, contagion, that that nearly drew the entire population to a halt and including the working population. Ezra, there's something that must be said and I, I think not a lot of people are seeing that out, out in, in the population right now is the end-to-end -end choices that have been made throughout multiple administrations on um, this you know biological uh, threat and uh, what it means to the economy when you shut down an entire economy it's not being spoken up en enough, and, and I'm doing an, an article for Newsmax ma magazine, and I was speaking with an economist yesterday, and I said, are we going to see inflation? He said, oh, we're going to feel it starting this Christmas. He said, what are the two areas that's really going to be impacted? Uh, it's going to be energy, so um, gas prices, um, natural gas prices, heating is going to go sky high, and food prices. We're already seeing it in the United States. We're starting to see it in Italy, and who does that impact the most? The blue-collar worker. So um, this is going to take a while to recover from, and um, putting additional stress on the blue-collar worker, saying you cannot work without this, and especially in a population like Italy, it's... Um, that we're just we're we're seeing what the effect is 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 devastating potential devastation to the economy. Last question, like I say before, Southwest Airlines managed to get their company to blink. I see some restaurant chains, Chick Fil A, In and Out Burger. I mean, we see individual cases of companies blinking, but. Again, you have champions like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis who are using some levers in the state. Is there a chance, you think, that a mass protest in Trieste or um, a, a mass shutdown of the ports, do you think that would cause Italy to pull back from the brink or do you think that, that they would just turn more fire hoses on people? I do think that it's going to continue for a while. I think um, from what I'm hearing from my sources in government, they are starting to listen now. Um, but what's really necessary is to keep telling the truth and keep highlighting the fact that these people are, are continuing the fight. Um, they are really encouraged in watching Americans, um, you know, making hard decisions on this and, and watching some leadership out of the United States, as Europe does as well in general. So I would say... Um, 
Um, there is hope. There is hope. But it's going to be long going. And I think there's going to be some long suffering involved for uh, the protesters. And it may be a very long winter as well, Ezra. All right. Well, thanks for the update from Rome. Bree Dale, great to meet you. Epoch Times, one of our favorite publications. We'll look for your byline there. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right. There you have it. Stay with us. More ahead on Rebel News. Your feedback to me, Diego Alvarado says, while I was at the Ottawa Hospital's general campus getting x-rays on my hand, there were pronoun posters covering the walls at the entrance to the orthopedic cosmetic surgery unit and at each attendant's desk. The receptions asked a 60-plus-year-old woman in front of me what her preferred pronouns was and went on to ask if it was they, them. I was shocked, and the lady in line was just confused. It was one of the dumbest things I've ever witnessed, and it felt completely forced. No one real does that. It's like this Latinx thing. I showed you that poll. Only 4% of Latinos do that. It's just so weird. That's what I said earlier about experts. They, they sometimes not only want to make communication opaque and, and vague and have lots of code words so only insiders have the lingo, but um, I, I think they want to continually become more and more obscure as a weapon to denounce the the plain people. I don't know. It's, this whole pronouns thing is so weird to me. Alfonso Liberty says, just what kind of world are these Democrats, liberals, and these uber-wokes trying to bring us into? I think that a new age of conservatives is being born. Yeah, maybe. And maybe to a small extent, but I am afraid of the opposite. I'm afraid by the vast compliance, submissiveness, and and as I said earlier, the mob think of the majority these days. I think it's worse than ever. Paul Albert says, my pronouns are your majesty and his royal highness. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, good luck getting anyone to use those with you, but uh, maybe you have a human rights complaint if they don't. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, Good night and keep fighting for freedom. And as we do every day, let me leave you with a video selected from the rest of Rebel News' daily output. I'll leave you with that. Good night. Mocha Bezergian for Rebel News here in Manitoba, Steinbeck. And I'm here because the pastor of this church got arrested. God is able, the crowd sings, as they walk from corner to corner outside of an RCMP detachment. Inside, their pastor is being held. This was the scene in Steinbeck, Manitoba on Monday night after Pastor Tobias Thiessen was captured by government forces. Pastor Tobias has been in hiding since May after a warrant for his arrest was issued for attending and organizing protests against government restrictions. At the time, Manitoba's health bureaucrat Brent Rosen forbid Manitobans from gathering with more than five people outside. Accused of failing to comply with Section 91B under the Public Health Act, an arrest warrant was issued. It's okay, Travis. Where are we going now?
they pulled him over and uh, just arrested him in front of, in front of his own children. He was taken to the RCMP detachment in Steinbeck, then transferred to the Manitoba Remand Center. He has no choice other than to sign a condition saying that he will obey or continue to stay in a cage. Lawyers from Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms are fighting to secure a bail for Tobias Thiessen. But where does this political will to arrest innocent pastors is coming from? Yeah, so that's a puzzling question. We're, we're seeing that kind of becoming a trend across the country. I asked fellow pastor Henrik Hildebrandt. It's very puzzling. You see pastors being torn away from their children, from their families. Uh, and, and uh, you know, these are not bad people. These are people that are trying to actually help the communities, spread knowledge, spread love, and do all these things. And uh, we can see that, you know, there's definitely something seriously wrong. Canada has experienced a shockwave of targeted attacks on Christian churches. There have been 68 attacks against churches across Canada in the last three months. 25 of these attacks destroyed the buildings completely. And how many vandals were arrested so far? Only one. The Prime Minister said their anger was understandable. One of my reflections is I understand the anger that's out there against the federal government, against institutions like the Catholic Church. It is uh, real and it is fully understandable. Gerald Butts, former principal secretary to Trudeau and longtime friend, said that their anger may be understandable. But when it comes to Pastor Tobias, when he gave a drive-in church service on the parking lot to people who were inside their cars, RCMP blocked the roadway to the church parking lot. We want to come peacefully gather, spread knowledge, hear, hear the word of God, and then all of a sudden you have your driveway blocked. So that's it's quite puzzling. And a week later, served pastor with tens of thousands of dollars in tickets. Public health services and the police took the license plates of the attendees to issue them tickets. Was it science when government and courts outlawed driving church services? I believe in science, but I don't really trust all the scientists because uh, there's so many things that you can do to, you know, for, for your advantage or advantage of whatever the, the agenda is. So I feel like the best science, you know, since everyone wants to go by the science, one of the best ways to follow that is to actually see what's happening in real life and not just what's coming over these uh, mainstream media outlets. And they will be... Um, According to then Premier Brian Pallister, no, his mandates were not based on science. I can also say uh, to anyone who's thinking that... Uh, they should break the public health orders that I've uh, come up with an 11th commandment, which is obey the public health orders. And I would encourage everyone to make sure they do that. That's the way he chooses to communicate with Christians. Would it also be understandable for a man of faith to disobey Pallister's commandments? We're standing with Pastor Tobias. He's a good man. Uh, I know him personally and, and our children are puzzled about what's happening. I, I know his boys. Uh, I, I visited his, his family yesterday and one of his boys was had a Bible in his hand uh, asking which chapter do you want and you know he wanted to say something out of the Bible and it was just very touching to see that's, that's what his father has taught him. He has, he's not teaching him violence, he's not teaching him uh, you know, bad things, he's teaching him the right way and, and he's being persecuted for that. 
there have been about 10 pastors across Canada who were jailed for opening their churches. Where could you seek refuge if the courts are not upholding the charter? That's a good question. Uh, it, uh, we, we trust in God. Our faith is in God. This is, this is about our faith. It's not about some kind of selfish thing. Uh, it, it would be nice, though, if we could go somewhere and actually depend on somebody. Uh, it would be nice if we could depend on the police themselves, but it seems like they've kind of... Uh, um, they're not exactly doing their, the job that they should be doing, like, like they should be doing. How scientific and lawfully sound is it to arrest pastors and shut down their churches when the government doesn't present any evidence of an outbreak that ever happened at any of these churches? Whereas there is evidence that an outbreak at the CBC headquarters occurred. Will there be any arrests? Or is it only for people who stood outside, exceeding the five people limitation? Here's a picture of the RCMP officers who arrested Tobias, seen maskless and without two meter distancing. Pastor Tobias was released as of Wednesday after spending 45 hours behind bars. The conditions he consented to did not infringe on his duties as a pastor, but it does infringe on his right to protest government policies related to COVID-19. He will appear before a judge in Steinbach Provincial Court in November. Bringing you the other side of the story comes with some costs, such as a plane ticket I had to fly from Calgary, such as a rental vehicle I had to drive to Steinbach. If you could cover these costs, the vehicle costs $140, for example, there was an extra charge because I'm my age is 22. Once I get 25, it's going to get cheaper. But if you could cover these costs, that would be greatly appreciated so that we could continue to bring you the other side of the story. Thank you.